Uh, we are topically going through the Scripture. What that means is you're working through the Scripture uh, to see what the Scripture has to say as a whole about a given topic. Uh, the predominant passages that we'll be deriving statements from will be Colossians 2, 1 Timothy 6, 1 Corinthians 2, and Hebrews 10. Uh, if you're taking notes and I went too fast, all of those references are at the top of that outline for you this morning uh, as we are going to work out our faith today. And just spoiler alert warning here, I'm going to spoil somewhat a couple of movies for you this morning. Odds are they're not on your, your hit list to watch anyway, but, uh, and they've been out for a while, so you've had your fair chance to watch them. But uh, I will never, ever again in my life watch the movie Up. Uh, if you've seen the movie Up, it's an animated Pixar movie, and, and uh, Heather and I watched it at the theater whenever that came out. I don't remember what year that was, and that's a terribly sad movie. It was just so, like, the couple was so similar to us, and the, and the wife died, um, and that's why I also will never again watch the movie A Walk to Remember, uh, <laughs> because same thing, I don't know why they're always killing off the wife in these movies, uh, but they're always killing off the wife. I don't like the idea of my wife dying, and that makes me sad. Have you ever watched movies that it just makes you sad? Some of you watch movies because you want to be made sad. I don't understand you. I don't understand why you want to be sad. But some people, you, you do that. You watch movies to be sad. Uh, once I discover that the movie is too sad for me, I just, I'm never watching it again. So if you invite me to your house ever to watch Up or Walk to Remember, I'm not coming. I, am not, I don't care what you're feeding me. I am not going over to your house to watch those movies. Uh, I avoid sad movies like The Plague. I just don't want to watch, unless they're a docu documentary or maybe there's a sad moment, but there's a lot of pick-me-up. But I don't like sad movies. You know what I like to watch? I like the action's good. I like inspirational movies. I like comedies. I like to feel good when I watch something, don't you? Yeah, I like to feel good. So I watch things that make me feel better, not things that make me feel worse. And, and TV shows and movies, they have that effect on us, don't they? Like, have you ever watched something that... I know none of you ever watch horror movies. I actually don't watch horror movies. I used to before Christ. Uh, and, and there is some concern with those. But if you've ever watched those or watched something that was highly suspenseful, suspenseful or scary, uh, have you ever, like, for the next few days, you're just looking over your shoulder all the time? You know, and if you live alone, every little noise that you hear in the house at night, you're wondering, did the killer get in my house? There's a monster in my house. You know, because what we watch affects us, doesn't it? The same is true with, with what we eat affects us. You know, how uh, we, what we would love to eat would be all the desserts that there are, right? All the greasy foods and all the sugary foods we'd love to eat. But you and I know that when we eat that too much, it does something to us, Right? Uh, some of us get gas, some of us get wheezy, some of us lose energy. Have you ever had, like, you ate something, uh, like donuts, for example? Donuts just, like, they go in me and they just, like a rock, just hit the bottom of my digestive system and then I'm just out. Like, have you ever eaten something and you're just groggy for the rest of the day? And you're wanting to blame something else other than that donut, but you know that donut is why you feel lousy right now. Uh, and it's not just making sure we don't eat bad stuff. You know, we want to eat good stuff also because uh, we have to have, get certain nutrition and stuff. I joke with my kids, I wish that there was a protein EpiPen because kids do not want to eat protein. They don't, but they get so miserable and angry when they don't have protein in their lives. And when they get hungry, you know what they want to eat? Nothing that has protein in it. They want potato chips and candy and Mashed potato, anything that's just carbs and starch, it's going to make them feel worse. And, and I just wish there was an EpiPen that, like, you are being miserable right now. Boom, protein, happy. Because we won't eat the stuff that's good for us, will we? You know, fruits, vegetables, and it's, what do you mean, ugh. I didn't say what kind of vegetable. I just said fruits and vegetables and protein and calcium and all of that stuff we need in our system because... What we eat matters, right? And probably more so what we watch might matter more than what we eat because what we eat is, for the most part, only affecting our body. 
What did Jesus say? It doesn't really matter what goes into the body, it just goes out of the body, right? But what we allow to enter into our eyes matters more. And we consume a lot of stuff, don't we? You know, we watch movies, we watch television shows, we, we listen to music, we, we watch things online, we, we do research. Some of you guys are always researching online and finding out what's going on. Every ache and pain that you have, you're searching Wikipedia to find out, or whatever that medical uh, website is, WebMD, and you're trying to find out all the answers. And we're researching, studying, and we're watching social media, we're reading books, and uh, we're listening to podcasts, and we're also we're having conversations with each other. We're listening to what each other have to say, and we're we're. Got the own, we got also got our own stuff that's going on up in this head of ours. Okay? Do you ever have just loads of thoughts happening at the same time? Just stuff going up there and all kinds of feelings associated with that. And all that stuff. And sometimes we entertain those thoughts. Have you ever entertained a thought too long? Like, I should, I should really stop thinking about that. And sometimes it's too late when you realize it. But we got all this stuff coming from all these directions that we're inviting into our lives. And sometimes we don't realize that while we're on this quest... To have a strong, solid, impactful faith in Jesus Christ, all the while we're living on a very poor diet, and that's the reason why we're weakening our faith. The things that we're allowing into our lives is weakening our faith. And sometimes it might be something that isn't even necessarily bad. It might just be something that's neutral or maybe even good. Uh, we do this with, like, anybody have a nut allergy? Okay, there's at least one in here. Anybody have dairy allergy? Okay, a few more. And how about gluten or shellfish and those kind of things? Okay, so we have different food allergies. Anybody not have any food allergies at all? Okay, see, all of us, we can eat whatever. You, aren't you guys jealous, those of you who raised your hand earlier? We can eat all that stuff, and you can't eat it. Uh, and that's because our bodies are different, and we receive food differently. So you can't eat certain things, and some of us can eat all the things. And it's the same as true with what we consume in our interactions with the world. There are some things that you should not be involved in, that maybe somebody else, it's okay for them to be involved in, but because of the way it affects you, you should not be involved in that thing. And so we need a diet plan. Now, I don't know if when you saw a diet plan on, the, on that outline or that handout that you thought I was going to give you instructions on how to lose weight today. Um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, some of you are thinking, man, and others of you are thinking, good, there's not going to be apostasy today in the church. Actually, there probably is instructions on how to lose weight somewhere in Scripture. It's probably in Leviticus. Where's Joyce at? She's not. Oh, good, I'm glad I said it when she wasn't here then. Uh, <laughs> but we're going to figure out how do we concoct a diet plan for ourselves to make sure that we're only allowing through all the medias and all the mediums and all the voices that we have around us that we're only allowing in the things that have a positive impact on our faith and we're making sure that we incorporate the nutrients and the things that will strengthen our faith. And before we get there, we've been on a journey of how to have our faith be strengthened. And, and some of those steps have been that really this is a personal thing between you and the Lord. That we need to routinely be working things out with Him in our heart and mind and spirit. Uh, addressing whatever issues we have, concerns, fears, anxieties, things that we're upset with. And talk these things through with the Lord using the scripture as well as our guide. We also need to make sure that we know how to examine whether or not our faith is strong. And remember how we do that? Faith without works is dead. So we need to check and see, am I actually, is, is what I'm doing with my life showing that I have strong faith? If it isn't, then I need to begin to address that with the Lord. And then last week we talked about one of the nutrients that we need is, believe it or not, if you're going to have strong faith, you need other people in your life. Because God designed us to be people, people. And you might say, well, I'm an introvert. God didn't design me to be people, people. Well, then how do you explain me? Because I'm an introvert and God is making me be a people person. Now, I might need more alone time than some of you extroverts need, but we need to be with people because there's certain things that, that happens to our faith when we're with others. But we also need to go on a diet. Are you ready to start dieting today? 
Now, I hope that you know that if you're going to take this seriously, some of you are going to have to stop watching your favorite show. Some of you might have to sacrifice listening to your favorite podcast. Some of you might have to stop hanging out with certain people in your life because they're affecting your faith. And if you want to protect that faith and make sure that you have strong faith, then we need to make sure that we're living out a right diet. Okay? So the first way we do that is we have to know what to get out of our lives. What do I need to eliminate in order for me to have a healthy diet before the Lord? And the way we will do that is by asking certain questions of everything. Again, whether it's a bad thing, which we shouldn't be involved in a bad thing, or a neutral thing, or even a good thing. If it's affecting me, if, if the answers to these questions demonstrate it's affecting me, then I need to get it out of my life. Colossians 2.11 says, uh, actually I wanted to just point out in those four passages that we're coming from predominantly uh, are these statements, just to show you the emphasis of these principles is on developing our faith. 1 Corinthians 2.5, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Colossians 2, 6, that we would be established in the faith. 1 Timothy 6, 10, through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of the faith. Each of these four passages has to do with making sure we either don't wander from the faith or we are established and strengthened in our faith. And in Colossians 2, Paul says that we are to be putting off the body of the flesh, that anything is, that is fleshly we need to get rid of. And so the question I need to ask is, am I being encouraged to sin? Now, this doesn't mean that if the person says something that's sinful or says that people should do something that's sinful, it could include that, but that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, I'm looking for that the things that you're encountering makes you want to sin, so if you are with a certain person and it just makes you want to erupt in anger every time you're with that person, you need to stop being around that person. Now, it might not be their fault. You know, it might be you and they're just being whatever and you just lack patience or whatever the issue is. But if being around that person is causing you to be fleshly, then you need to limit your contact at least uh, with that person. Or if you're watching a, f- a certain TV show and it's, it's uh, causing you to want to lust or causing you to want to be greedy or, or causing you to be hateful or bitter towards certain people in your life, get rid of the show. And you might say, but there's nothing sinful in the show. You know, it's not unbiblical. It's, it's just kind of neutral. Or the books that you're reading or the podcasts that you're listening to, anything that you're consuming, if it's causing me to just want to sin, I need to cut it out. And the question is, how much are you willing to sacrifice to establish yourself in your faith? Are you willing to give up your favorite TV show to establish yourself in your faith? And I'm not saying that you have to do that. I'm just saying if your favorite TV show is affecting you this way, then we need to cut it out of our lives. Second question uh, in, in 1 Timothy 6, verse 4, it, Paul, in pointing out the people that, that are causing uh, a decay of faith, he says that they have an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words. Am I becoming argumentative? Now, some of us like to watch those watchdog-type Christians out there that, that put out YouTube videos and podcasts about what's wrong with every Christian group that there is under the sun. Have you ever seen some of those? They just are always pointing about, out about how evil every single Christian movement is. They're Christians, by the way, uh, and they, they will point out they're the only ones that know the right way, and everybody else has it wrong. And what happens is, is we, start, uh, we start picking up that attitude, you know? Or some of, some of us might like to listen to, like, talk radio shows or watch talk radio shows, and, and before we know it, we're kind of getting... Uh, rough in the way we talk to people, and we're starting to nitpick on things, and we're starting to be more uh, confrontational than we used to be before listening to that stuff. Have you ever known people like that, that when you can counter them, all of a sudden you remember, you've been watching that show again, haven't you? You've been hanging out with so-and-so again, haven't you? Because we affect each other. Whether we're with them or not, we might be with them in person, or it might just be through a screen, but we affect each other. And if we're getting to this place that we're 
nitpicking things and fighting over words and phrases and defining things. There's important things to have conflict over. But there's other things that we should not keep fighting over those things. And if you see someone come your way that's a fighter, that just likes to fight about everything, you know what you do? Run the other way as fast as you can because I don't want to pick up on that, right? And that degrades our faith by being around consuming things that cause us to become argumentative. Then in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, Paul says, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. Now I want to point something out there, that we know that the Spirit who is from God is who? The Holy Spirit, right? Uh, And so it is the Holy Spirit that's coming to us, but it's not just simply that it's the Holy Spirit that's coming to us, but it is the the impact or the work or the transformation that the Holy Spirit is bringing to us. And here's how I'll show that. First Timothy or Second Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And so when it says that we did not receive a spirit of the world, but the spirit that is from God, it means that we are supposed to be being transformed a certain way because the work in the Holy Spirit is happening in our lives. And so if the attitudes that we carry ourselves with is not reflective of the work of the Holy Spirit on our lives, then we need to start looking at the stuff we're consuming and asking ourselves, is this promoting this in my life? Some of us are news junkies. Some of us love to know what's happening on out there and we're watching the news. Some of you know people that they're watching news all day long. You know, they got when they're out and about, they're playing on a podcast on their phone. And when they're at home, it's blasting on the TV. And they're getting all the news magazines and they're doing all the research so that they know exactly what's going on. And sometimes when you're consuming the news so much, you know what happens? You start to get panicked. You start to get edgy and anxious. And you feel like the world's coming to an end. And China's going to show up at our door and they're going to obliterate all of us. And the, world, and the economy's going to fall apart. And we're going to have no money for anything. We're just going to starve. And we're just scared that someone's going to show up at my house and shoot me because there's all these shootings going around and I can't go anywhere in public because it's all bad. If we receive it, the Spirit of the Lord, He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of sound mind and self-control. And so if I'm walking around panicked all the time, maybe I need to stop listening to the news. Well, Pastor, don't you need to be informed? Sure, as much as your being informed is not causing you to be an anxious person or an edgy person or an angry person. And that's not selective only to news. Anything that we're consuming that's causing that edge, causing us to be unkind, causing us to be unloving, causing us to be unstable, get rid of it. And some of you might think, well, I'd have to eliminate all the things I'm consuming to do that. Is it worth it to establish yourself in your faith? And I really don't think that all of us need to cut out all of those things, but some of us have a lot of allergies. Some of us are affected very hardly by everything that's around us. And if that's the case, if we truly want to be established in our faith, sacrifice, get rid of it so that we can be established in our faith. Then Paul says in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive by, he says, philosophy, or some translations say by empty philosophy. And then 1 Timothy 6, Paul says in verse 9 and 10, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Is it wrong to want to have money? If that were true, none of you would have a job. Anybody work a job? Okay. Anybody receive any kind of income whatsoever? Every hand should be going up because I know that you guys have money somewhere. You might not have a lot of it, but I know you're getting money from somewhere because I keep seeing you with food and I keep seeing you with clothing and I know you have, and some of you have cars, you have money somewhere and it's coming from somewhere and you made sure it was coming to you, didn't you? 
It's, it's okay to want to have money in our lives unless, unless getting that money gets in the way of me living out God's plan for my life. And that's true of money. That's true of family. That's true of success. That's true of our hobbies and habits and friendships and all of those things. It's true of all of that. If anything gets in the way of my living out God's plan for my life, then that's a problem. And so the things I'm consuming, is that becoming more important, a higher priority than my being faithful to the plan that God has for my life? And what is, what is God's plan for my life? Well, just simply, God's plan is I, He wants me to be in a right relationship with Him. He wants me to be saved. He wants me to be redeemed. And I, and I receive that through the work that He did on the cross and through His resurrection. And He wants me to get my mind right by studying Scripture and making sure I'm seeing the world correctly. And He wants me to seek His face through prayer and worship. And He wants me to seek Him through the study of His Word and the application of His Word. He wants me to live a righteous life. He wants me to be involved in the body of Christ to serve Him, to serve uh, the people in the body of Christ. And He wants me to pursue the mission of making disciples. That's what He wants me to do. And if something in my life is keeping me from doing any of that, then something needs to change. And if it's the people, because there are some people in your life that encourage you to not try so hard. You know, I, oh, I need to make sure I go to church. Well, you don't really need, you know, your knee's bothering you, stay home. You know, you were up till 1 o'clock in the morning, stay home. You know, sometimes I wake, anybody have this whole thing going on? You wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and you're like, I don't know why I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. And then you think, I should go back to bed. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. And your body says, no, you're not going to bed yet. You're going to stay up for a while. Whatever it is that's the reason for that, you're just staying up for a while. And you know what I usually do when that happens? I call Joe and say, Joe, you're going to need to preach today because I was up at 3 in the morning. I don't do that. But some of us have friends that will say, you know, it's okay. It's okay that you lost a little bit. That's all right. You don't act on it. That's okay. It's okay that you're not charitable. It's okay that you're not kind. It's okay that you don't love your wife and you're not kind to her and you don't seek her out or your husband, you don't respect your husband, you shouldn't respect your husband because he's a mean old jerk and it's, it, he deserves it. And we're surrounded by people who encourage us not to live the way God wants us to live. Whether they're in our relationships, whether it's in what we read, because I think sometimes we think that we read stuff and we think we're above that. You know, we listen to things and we're, that's not going to affect me because I'm too strong in the faith. Look at our lives. Are we pursuing the will of God for our lives? And if we are not, whatever it is that's encouraging us not to do that, get rid of it. As much as we might say, because kids will like to do that, you know. Kids, kids will we'll notice that kids are getting all kind of screen edgy. Have you been around somebody that's been in front of a screen for like three days straight? You know, and they're just, when you, when you encounter them, they're like, I don't know, ah, ah, ah. you know, they're just kind of crazy, you know. Uh, and we see our, our kids act like, like that sometimes, and we say, I think you need a break from screens. It can't be screens, all right? That's not the problem. It's not the screens, because they, they want to stay in that. And some of us are going to do that if we try to do this diet plan. We're going to say, no, 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 it can't be my show. No, it can't be that friend. No, no, it can't be that. It, 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 can't, it can't be uh, the music I'm listening to. It can't have anything to do with that. No, it can't. Listen, if we are not living our lives out the way that God has planned it out for us to live, then anything that's even remotely suggesting that we shouldn't do that, cut it out. Now, if we are living our lives according to the plan that God has for us, and we're happening to watch a show that's not supportive of that, and it's obviously not affecting us, keep watching it. That's fine. But is it affecting us? Or are we not doing those things? So am I putting this ahead of God's plan? Then lastly, under, under what to eliminate, I need to ask myself, am I putting my hope in this? Now, there's an interesting passage in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, the first seven verses. Actually, I'll read that. It says this, And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age we are, who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Colossians 2.12, Paul would add that we would have faith in the powerful working of God. Now he says, I came to you without wisdom or lofty speech, but then he later says, that, but among the mature, we do bring wisdom. So then what is he saying? We use those tools or we don't use those tools. Which is it? We use those tools so long as they are not making us rely on their, those tools. Putting our trust in that as long as I have this tool, then I'm okay. Instead of trusting in God above all the tools. Here's an example of that. Some of us have savings accounts. Maybe there's just a few cents in there, but we have savings accounts. Isn't it a shame when you look and see what kind of interest you earn on those few cents that are in there? What's it take you eight years before you get a penny if you just have a few cents in there? Okay. But some of us, we save, we put money away for different things, and some of us feel good about life based on the balance of that thing or our retirement funds and those kind of things, which some of us have seen kind of sift through this, uh, go like a a ship in the uh, middle of the ocean, going all over the place. And that's fine. You know, it's good. In fact, Proverbs encourages us to save. That's fine to save and have savings to set aside for retirement, all that stuff. As long as we aren't putting our faith and hope in that. We can use it, but as long as we're not putting our faith and hope in that. Well, how will I know if I'm putting my faith and hope in that? If when the market goes crazy and you start losing thousands of dollars, you don't start to panic. Because if you start to panic or if, or if something goes wrong with your house and your car and before you know it, you wiped clean your whole savings account. Anybody have that before where all of a sudden you wiped your savings account clean because of different things that happened in your life? And if we start to panic because the savings account isn't there, then guess what we've been trusting in? Not God, the savings account. As long as I have that savings account, I'm good. And when it's gone, I, I'm not good. And our trust and confidence should be in the Lord and not in our savings account. Some of us trust in the medical profession. And there's nothing wrong with the medical profession. And it's not that we shouldn't take medicine or be treated by a doctor. However, if the medicine doesn't do anything for us, or the doctor, have you ever gone to a doctor, they treated you, you walked away, and after a few days, you still feel the same way as you did before the doctor treated you, okay? And if we start to panic because what the doctor, the doctors can't, have you ever had a doctor say to you, I don't know what's wrong with you? Have you ever had that? And if we start to panic because the pills aren't working, and the surgery isn't working, and the doctor isn't helping me, and we start to panic, we're panicking, why? Because we put our trust in the medical profession to save us. And again, I hope you understand what I'm saying. It's not that we can't pursue the medical profession. It's that at the end of the day, we never lose hope whether the economy tanks, our savings account tanks, or the medical profession tanks. We still have hope. Why? Because God's still there with us. God's still available to work in our lives, even if that tanks and even if this tanks. Or even some of us put our trust and confidence in politics. As long as my guy wins the election, then I know that everything's going to be okay. You know, as long as my party takes control of Congress, as long as the the judge on the Supreme Court makes a certain decision, everything will be okay. And we say, no, 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 I don't trust in politics, I trust in God. Then why do some people panic after the end of an election? People, some people lose their mind. The world's coming to an end. I hope Jesus comes soon because it's all going to fall apart. There is no, I'm, you know, the economy's going to tank and, and all the enemies are going to come rushing into our country and the, the, uh, the ethics and the morality of our country is going to go to pot because this person won, the other person did this, did, didn't win, and it's just all over. If you, you tell me you didn't hear people do, react like that to elections? People, Christian people, who supposedly put their trust and confidence in God respond to elections like it's the end of the world. Does that mean we shouldn't be involved in politics? Does that mean that those things don't matter and the decisions of our leaders don't matter? No, it doesn't mean that. But if our leaders do all the wrong things and all the wrong people are in positions of power, God is still there in the midst of that. God never said, I'll be faithful as long as you have the right election results. 
God never said, I will be faithful as long as you have the right doctors. God never said, I will be faithful as long as you have enough money in your savings accounts. God said he cannot deny himself, but he will always be faithful. And so do you trust, do you trust that when God came down in human flesh, lived a sinless life, took on that cross and died for our sins, and then conquered death and rose from the dead, do you believe that through that work, if I trust in him, I'm going to have saving power in my life? That I will have the assurance that I will go and meet him one day, that he is going to be faithful. He is, his forgiveness is bigger than all my messes. Do you trust in that? Because some people, they, they end up with a mess and they think, I might as well give up on this thing because I keep ending up on a mess. Are you trusting in your ability to pull yourself together or are you trusting in God? Some of us are like, I'm not going to participate in that thing until I get my life put together. Don't worry, Melissa's just excited somewhere out there. Oh, it's not zany. Okay. Anyway, some child was out there excited. Some people won't get involved in certain things until they feel like they've gotten their act together. And that's necessary for some elements of of the body of Christ. But some people think, before I get to church, I need to have my act together. Do you think we're showing up before a God who's waiting on you to save yourself? Some people think that unless we get our act together, we're never going to see a revival and those kind of things. And there is some element of truth to that. But we don't have to become perfect to receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know what we need? We need to trust in the powerful working of God. And some of us, we're allowing things into our lives, hanging our hat on things that are shaky and unstable and will not, cannot be there for us all the time. Some of you, it's in your friends. Some of it's in, in your spouse. I love my wife dearly, but I know that because I watched Up and I Walked to Remember, she might die on me someday. And I know that either she or I, unless Jesus comes in our lifetime, either she or I is going to have to deal without the other at some point. And some people lose their spouses and they can't ever live again after that because their hope was in their spouse. Don't hope in your friends, your spouses. Be there for them. Work out things in relationship. Build trust there. But don't hang your final hope on any of that. But trust in the Lord. And if you're noticing that any of these things that we are consuming is degrading our faith, get rid of it. It's not worth the entertainment. It's not worth the laughter. It's not worth being informed enough to have anxiety all the time. Some of you are going to the doctor because you're giving yourself anxiety. (laughs) But it's not good enough to just get rid of certain things. You can't just stop eating the sugars and eating the carbs. You have to actually start getting the nutrients in our bodies. And that, la- that second part there, we're not going to spend a lot of time there because a lot of it is rep- repeating what has been said already in the previous three messages. Some from the same verses, some from other verses, which is awesome because you might find if you keep reflecting on these verses that God is saying in multiple places in the New Testament, do this stuff. Okay? And some of the stuff is that we need to make sure we are, are in a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ, that we are, uh, as Paul puts it, receive Christ, that we have experienced salvation, and then to walk in Him, that we are living our lives for Jesus, draw near with a true heart, that we are seeking Him through prayer and worship. Uh, Paul sa- or the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10.22, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, that we are seeking to be transformed before Him. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, that we are committed to this faith. We need those nutrients, not, not so that pastor can have some committed people here, not so that Joe can have a committed worship team, but we, for ourselves, need commitment to the Lord and to the work of, of God. We need ministry participation Let us not neglect the meeting of ourselves together, Hebrews 10.25. We need to be baptized in water. That's mentioned in Colossians 2.12, which if you have not been baptized in water and you want to, seek me out and we'll be glad to make that happen. Rooted and built up 
and taught, Colossians 2, 7, we need to learn. It's not good enough to just be in the presence of hearing a message. We need to actually be paying attention and learning from what is being spoken from God's Word. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds. We need to seek accountability with one another. Seek, we should be, we talk about this on Wednesdays. It's, if you, you can very easily come and slip into these services on Sunday and slip out, and nobody knows you have the problems that you have, and nobody is there to help you and encourage you with the problems that you have, because nobody knows. And you might think, well, I don't want anybody to know. Okay, it's okay that not everybody knows. Somebody needs to know, though. You know why? Because it says in James, let us confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. So what? So that we may be healed. And it's not just a release of physical healing. It's a release of healing in the whole person when we begin to confess to one another. And what happens when we confess to somebody, that person might come back to us and say, did you stop doing that yet? Or did you start doing that yet? And that's why some of us don't confess because we don't want anybody to tell us that. And if we want to grow the nutrients that we have is we need to seek out accountability, encouraging one another, Hebrews 10, 25, we need to find support. Some of you are desperate for support and you're waiting for someone else to get the idea to come and bring it to you. Instead, seek out support. Instead of getting rid of all the friends that are making, uh, making you be who you shouldn't be, start collecting the friends that are going to encourage you to be the kind of person that we should be. And then have a healthy attitude, uh, which is the opposite of what we saw earlier. Uh, what kind of attitude does God want us to have? Colossians 2, 7, abounding in thanksgiving. Be thankful. Or godliness with contentment is great gain, 1 Timothy 6, 6. So if our attitude is that we're a complainer, and we're never happy with anything, then it's not likely that we have the nutrients that we need. We need to have a different outlook on life. We need to experience the freedom that the Lord gives. Colossians 2.14, that canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Now, God wants us to live a righteous life. He wants us to live out His plan. But if every time you fail to do so, you have this voice telling you, give up, you can never be perfect, you'll never make it, and you think that God's just always angry with you, then you are not receiving, experiencing the freedom that God brings. Because Jesus canceled the debt of our sin for us. And so we can count on that, man, did I blow it. Man, did I mess that up. But you know what? I'm going to repent. I'm going to confess that. I'm going to seek my accountability partners to hold me accountable and pray for me and encourage me. And then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to forget it. Why do you think the Scripture says He, take, he has taken our sin as far as the east is from the west? Then I'm going to forget it and move past. Why? Because I'm going to trust that God did actually forgive me. Or represent Jesus well. 1 Timothy 6, 1, regard their own masters as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Sometimes that husband of yours does not deserve your affection and your love and respect. But so that we can represent Christ to that husband, we treat them with respect and love and affection. Same with the wife, same with the children, same with the parents, same with the boss, same with the neighbor, same with our coworkers. Our nutrients our life-giving ingredients to our faith is for us to be a representative of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, 1 Timothy 6, 5, those who were corrupted, it says they were deprived of the truth. We need to be constant consumers of God's Word. It's not good enough just to get a 40-minute sermon on a Sunday once a week. It's not good enough to just have a discipleship conversation for an hour and a half on Wednesday. We need to day after day after day be consuming. And it's not good enough just to read our favorite book of Proverbs all the time and the book of James or Revelation. It's not good enough to do that. We need the whole counsel of God constantly consuming it, studying it, memorizing it, living it out in our lives. And some of us, we are weak and shaky in our faith because we're depriving our spirit of the very thing that gives life to our faith. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Do we want to have stable faith? Then sacrifice 
is necessary. Will you stand with me? Worship team, will you come and prepare to lead us? Do we want to be in a place where no matter what the economy's doing, no matter how other people are treating me, no matter how my health is doing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. No matter what's falling apart around me, no matter what the reports are in the news, no matter how real those things very well might be, if perhaps I end up in a circumstance of danger and harm and concern, in those moments I still will have the peace that surpasses all understanding. When I have moments that everything around me is trying to tempt me to act in the flesh, I will have the strength to walk in the Spirit. Don't we want to have that kind of thing? What if, what if the reason why we don't is some of the music that we love, some of the TV shows that we love, some of the conversations and friendships that we love so much? Maybe it's time to go on a diet. The writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, to clutch onto it for dear life. And some of us like football, and some of us know that a football player, especially a running back, when he knows he's going to run through that defensive line, he holds onto that ball for dear life. He wraps it up under, underneath with his arm. He wraps it over top with his hand. He shoves it between his arms. And sometimes he wraps another arm around it. And he holds on to that thing for dear life so that he doesn't lose it. And that same player, if the fumble happens, what happens? All these huge, giant of individuals go diving on that ball. 22 of them fighting and clutching underneath for that ball because they know whoever has it when they peel them all off is the one who gets the ball. And so you know what they do when they get it? They hold on to it for dear life. And some of us, if you've ever seen some of those players who didn't do that, if you've ever seen some of those players that held their ball out the here, and all of a sudden someone just comes along and swipes it out and it's gone because they didn't treat it with something that needed to be held on to with dear life. And some of us are treating our faith like that ball. Some of us, we're not holding on to it for dear life. And that's why it's shaky. That's why we're wavering. Because we're not doing everything we can to hold dear, hold strong onto that faith of ours. We're just holding it out to here. It's all right if I watch this. It's okay if I'm over here. It's okay if I think this, entertain that, don't do this. And we're treating our faith as, this, as if it can never be lost. As if it has no value. And there's a reason why we're losing it or wayward or it's being stripped away from us. And I would rather have God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. But are you holding on to your faith with all your might? Or is there something that needs to change? Is there sacrifice that needs to be made? And if that's you, something needs to change. Come down to these altars now and begin to seek him as the worship team leads us. He's here. It's not a sermon that's going to make you have the kind of faith that you desperately want. It's encountering the Holy Spirit. Don't wait till I'm done. Come down here and encounter the forgiveness and grace and power of the Holy Spirit and receive your transformation today. Some of you are anxious and you need to sacrifice and put things aside and let Him give you the spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Seek Him this morning. Repent. Some of you have allowed yourselves to be outside because you can't conceive that God can be gracious and forgiving to you continually as you struggle and mess things up. Here, now, come and receive the grace that He has for you. Don't worry about what somebody else is thinking. Don't wait until there's a certain number of people up here. Receive the faith that God wants to put into our lives so that we can have the peace that surpasses all understanding so that we can have the joy of the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, that we can have boldness, that we can be righteous and holy, that we can be everything that God calls us to be. We're not putting our trust and confidence in that bank account, in the economy, in the government, in the medical profession, in our friends. We're putting our trust in Jesus. So come and today build your faith 
on that rock solid foundation of the rock of Jesus Christ. Seek him this morning. There is power in that name of Jesus. And are you trusting in that name of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ? I understand that you might not have money that you need or the job that you need or the relationship that you need or the health that you need, the home, the context that you need. The scriptures say that he has given us all that we need for life and godliness. If we have Jesus, we can count on that we have all that we have need of. Might not look like we want it to look, but we can count on that we have all that we have need of because of Jesus Christ. And so if you would bow heads and close the eyes for just a moment. Some of you already responded by coming to the altar, but maybe you're in your seats and just really dealing with anxiety and depression. and Maybe you've been taking medication for it. Not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that, but Perhaps while doing that, you have been inviting things into your life that promotes anxiety and depression. You've not been inviting things in your life that promotes joy and peace before the Lord. And, and you would say that you would love to be prayed for, that the Lord would deliver you, set you free from that anxiety, fear, that depression. Heads bowed and eyes closed, that's you. Would you raise your hand and say, yes, please pray for me. I want deliverance from that. Good. Anybody else? Good. Good. Anybody else? Good. Good. You don't need good. Anybody else? You don't need money to make that go away. You don't need a marriage to make that go away. All you need is Jesus. It's not that we don't need other things, but first and foremost, we need Jesus. And so, Lord, you saw these hands, and you see the hearts, and you see the minds, and you know what's inside of them. And we're asking, Lord, right now that you would deliver them that you would give them the spirit that drives out fear and brings in love and power and a sound mind. And so, Lord, begin even right now, rushing in and allow them to feel the, the warmth of your presence and begin to release them, release them from what's been holding them captive and give them the strength to sacrifice and be willing to give up the things that have been pulling them down and set them free. May today be the day of liberation for the captives. Let that be today. May we begin to hear testimonies in the coming days and weeks that today someone was set free from anxiety and depression. Make that happen, Lord. We rely and count on you because it is not by words of wisdom or lofty speech. It is by the power of God. Heads bowed and eyes closed you here this morning and you, you would say, well, anxiety... Fear, depression, that's not my struggle. For me, it's some fleshly desire, lust, self-centeredness, greed, anger, whatever it is. It's been gripping your soul, and it degrades your faith, and you so desperately want to be liberated from it. Well, Jesus wants the same thing that you do. He wants desperately for you to be liberated. And you would say, you know, that's my prayer. I want to be liberated from this fleshly issue of mine. And I would love for you to please pray for that. If that's you, heads bowed and eyes closed, lift your hand. Good. Anybody else? Good. Anybody else? He's able. Trust him. Set us free. Good. Anybody else? Liberate me, Lord, from my fleshly desires. And so, Lord, you said that when you ascended to heaven, you set the captives free. You said when you were on this earth that the Spirit was upon you to preach liberty to the captives. You said that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. And we know that the Spirit is here with us this morning. And so I'm asking for each of those who raise their hands in expression, desire to be liberated from those things of the flesh. Lord, come in right now and display your power and set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. And help them, Lord, to let go of the things that they might be gripping onto 
the things that might be crutches in their lives that they need to let go of. Help them to let go of that. And the things that they're afraid to dive into that you've been calling them to dive into, help them to jump into that and receive by faith the working of the power of God. And we thank you, Lord, for your work among us. And we ask that you would continue to do this work among us, building our faith and our confidence and our trust in that Jesus is who he said he was. Jesus did what he said he did, and he is going to do what he said he would do. Help us to have a faith that wholeheartedly believes in that. And may you help us to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ to have that same kind of faith. And help us to encourage those who do not have that faith in our lives, to encourage them that they have every reason that they should put their trust in Jesus. This gift isn't just for us to keep, Lord. This gift is for us to represent out to the world. So help us to do that. We thank you for what you're doing. We ask you to continue to be at work in our lives as we go, as we uh, move throughout this week and do what we do. We invite you, be at work, have your way, take out anything, bring in anything, transform us in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of the faith. So just know that if you come before the Lord, whether you're broken or not, with sincere sincerity in your heart and faith in your spirit, Jesus is ready to receive you and we can have that full assurance in him. Next week, we're going to dive into... Um, how to receive the work because your faith is not something you can create. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to do that. And next week we're going to see how to receive the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do that. Uh, also, uh, just a reminder to you ladies, uh, if you want to sign up, see Heather in the back and she'll get you uh, registered for that event. Uh, if you're new with us this morning, just make sure there's a table back there by a sign that says Welcome Center. Just make sure to see them. They want to uh, get some information from you and share a gift with you. Uh, so again, next week, let's come and see how the Holy Spirit's going to work in us. Let's keep having our faith built. I love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.